circadian rhythms are so important in hormones and weight gain mm -hmm. that there was a study where they found that women that slept with a light on, um, an ambient light, like even just like a night light or a bathroom light, had more weight gain than women who slept in complete dark darkness. And that just shows you how much hormones and weight gain um, have an effect on circadian rhythms. Is it time to upgrade your snacking game? I know how challenging it can be to find snacks that are both delicious and nourishing. That's why I'm so glad that we found Paleo Valley Beef Sticks. They're made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef. They're infused with organic spices and naturally fermented. They totally hit the mark when it comes to nourishment and they're amazing on-the-go snacks because they're high in protein. They help stabilize your blood sugar. They keep you fueled and going all day long. My kids love them. We keep them in the car. I keep them in their backpacks. You'll see them all over the place because I know that it's something that we can quickly grab to hit the mark when we need nourishment. So if you're looking to get your hands on some Paleo Valley beef sticks, you're going to need to head to paleovalley.com slash the health Institute to get 15% off your first order. Don't miss out. You're going to love these snacks. They are so tasty and they're the highest quality in nutrition. Again, it's paleovalley.com slash the health Institute to get 15% off your first order. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends. Dr. Chris Motley here with the Ancient Health Podcast, and we have part two with our special guest, Dr. Amy Shaw, who is a medical doctor out of Scottsdale, Arizona, who has written a great book called I'm So Effing Hungry. And she is known as a fasting MD on Instagram. And when you read her book, you read her website, you're going to see how she takes fasting and metabolic function to a new level. So Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us for the second part, because the first one was so good. Oh, thank you so much for having me again. Oh, wow. So last time, for those of you who may have not heard the podcast, please go back and listen to part one. We got into so many good avenues of hormones and hormone therapy and Dr. Shaw's expertise with especially women's health. And Doc, maybe we just jump right into it. I think that we had a really good interest and we have had a lot of conversations. Courtney, the co-host, she put out um, a mini podcast about circadian rhythms. And I know there was a lot of influence and a lot of inspiration from what you talked about. For those out there, when we talk about hormones and hormone cycles from the expert, what are the circadian rhythms or the circadian biology? And forgive me if you want to say anything or anything before I just went right into it. I just love going into this, this subject matter. But what is circadian rhythm biology? So we have actually three different rhythms that our bodies live on. They live on infradian rhythms, which is kind of the 28-day cycle. And so um, women's menstrual cycles, hormonal cycles live on infradian rhythms. And then we have circadian rhythms, which is the 24-hour light and dark cycle that our entire body runs on. 80% of our genes have a circadian pattern to them. And our hormones are uh, communication systems, our gut bacteria, all of it is on a circadian rhythm. And then we have ultradian rhythms, which is the shortest, like a breath, for example, is on an ultradian rhythm, a heartbeat 
it's like a rhythmic that is uh, short rhythms. So we are rhythmic creatures and we have all these different rhythms. Circadian rhythms are the strongest. Wow. So in Chinese medicine, when we talk about circadian rhythms, um, they talk about certain organs having certain energy or certain amounts of electricity that are running near or through the actual organ at a particular time of day, which gives them like an Ori cycle, like their Chinese medicine circadian rhythm. When we're talking about that circadian rhythm, are we talking about like fluctuations in hormones or mood or anything related to health because of that time of day? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. So our brain, our Mm -hmm. hormones, our gut bacteria, our neural communications, they all respond to light, food, and temperature to know what type time of day it is so that they can optimize their functions. So they do, you know, overnight, they want to repair and renew. And during the day, they want to metabolize and take in nutrients. And so we, we think that um, circadian rhythms are really to optimize our bodies to be doing things at the right times. And, you know, it for thousands of years, it worked really well because we had to be seeing sun every single day. We would see darkness every single night. And so our bodies would be in sync. Now, Mm -hmm. in modern times, we see bright lights at night. And then we see darkness during the day. A lot of us are indoors and really blocks out most of the circadian rhythm input. Mm -hmm. And so we're basically telling our bodies that it's night when it's day, it's day when it's night. And when there's confusion with the circadian input, you get inadequate hormone release, you get the release at the wrong times. The body doesn't know when to go into repair mode because it thinks maybe you're in danger. And so we have all kinds of issues. Like everyone knows how bad you feel after jet lag. That's what's perpetually happening in your body when you live in this modern world. So that would be if an individual said, hey doc, when I look at my iPad or something at night, you're saying that it could screw up like their melatonin release. Exactly. Because they're not telling their body like a certain signal to go to sleep. Right. So even even broader than that. So melatonin um, talks to not only our brain, it talks to our pancreas, it talks to our intestines, it talks to um, a lot of the organs in our bodies to say, hey, it's time to go to bed. You know, you want to slow down production or shut down production digestive enzymes and insulin. And so then when we're not getting adequate melatonin release because we're seeing bright sun uh, or bright lights uh, from your iPad or a computer screen, you're get, you know, or you go to Target at 10 p.m. at night and there's all these overhead fluorescent lighting, you're basically uh, shortchanging that process. So the melatonin doesn't get released on time. You don't get sleepy when you want to go to sleep. Your digestion doesn't get a chance to repair and renew. Your um, organs are still thinking that it's daytime. So it's basically like making your, um, when you skimp on sleep and the way you feel the next day is the way the organs feel the next day. Wow. So the avenue of having like certain times of day, and I I love the way you put it about circadian rhythm, about brain release. I'm asking, this is a real, maybe this is a naive question, but does your brain, when you're going through your day, let's say I wake up in the morning and I have to have a bowel movement or mm-hmm. I then I have to get ready for a meal. And then 
my body has to digest the food I just ate in breakfast to then be distributed. If you have certain hormone release happening throughout the day to signal to your body from your brain, you know, like to make these things happen, you could screw those things up if you're telling your body the wrong time of day, because it could have a ripple effect. Like if you do it at night, it could actually transfer down to the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So basically what happens is when, you know, you travel, for example, right, your body is still on the old time zone. So you'll see you're getting hungry at weird times. You're wanting to go to the bathroom at strange times because your internal system is still on the old time zone. And that's what happens when you trick your body into thinking it's daytime at night and nighttime during the day. What you end up doing is you're confusing your brain because what the brain is seeing as time is not what the cells are seeing at, uh, um, as time. So the brain has a central clock and the cells have the peripheral clocks. And when they don't match, there's a lot of confusion. That is great. So the brain is a central clock. The cells are the peripheral. Yes. So when we have this innate biological clock running through our system, I'm going to jump ahead, but like, what would be like one of the biggest things? Because some of the posts that I've seen on your feed, which is great about literally doing the work, like you need to get a certain amount of sunlight. Yeah. And you, you're huge about what does it do to the mitochondria? So, Can you explain to the audience like, that sunlight and that mitochondria, the importance? Yeah. So um, we are sunflowers, and I think that's the best way to think about it. Our mitochondria that are our energy centers of our cells our brain, our hormones, um, all of these things need circadian rhythms. Like you'll notice not only does your mood change, you're more satisfied when you eat food, you're more satisfied in your relationships, you're more motivated because you get dopamine release. So you, it's, it's an essential part. Um, sunlight is an essential nutrient like water or food is for us. So for example, Go outside and get two minutes of sunlight, even if it's just two minutes, but you have to do it outside the window. Like you can't do it through a window. Like I'm standing next to a window here. That's not enough. You have to be outdoors, mm -hmm. no sunglasses. You can wear your glasses if you wear glasses or contact lenses, that's fine. But you want to be looking not directly at the sun, but whatever's comfortable for you somewhere in the sky um, that's bright. You can do it on a cloudy day or you can do it on a sunny day. Sunny day, you probably only need two to five minutes. On a cloudy day, you probably need more like 15 minutes. Um, but up to 20 minutes of um, nature time is ideal a day. But even if you can just get that two to five minutes in the morning and then the rest of it later in the day, that's fine too. So what I do is like today, I knew that I was talking to you this morning. So I rolled out of bed. I got ready. I went outside for just mm -hmm. two minutes probably, and it was nice and sunny already here. I was able to at least get my small little bout in before I have time later in the day to be outside for a little bit longer. That's great because, so the people who are listening would say, okay, so I need to get up to get my light in. So it tells my brain to follow the pattern that it should, the circadian yes. rhythm, because uh, high amounts of light or, and good light, they say like, I try when I'm in the sunny um, area and I need to do it more while I'm here in Nashville. But when you absorb that light, you actually, like you say, trigger your mitochondria to function properly. So you're saying like, if a person wants more energy, because yeah. that's the biggest problem this day and age. Like I love yes. that in your, in your, in your text, your feeds, 
it's like, if you really want energy, you need to turn on the factories basically. Yes. So it's, it's vital for them to get outside and get the sun, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You, you basically, the sunflower analogy, I made it because just like a sunflower opens up when it sees sun, um, that's how our internal body, our brain, our mitochondria, like they turn on and they flourish when they see sun. That's why we see such mood disorders during the pandemic when we were really staying indoors a lot, not getting a lot of sunlight. Obviously, we weren't getting movement either and we weren't eating well either, but the combination of all of that really changed our mood. Um, we wow. had the biggest rise in anxiety and depression in all of history. Wow. So the effect of light or non-natural or lack of light plus being indoors can literally affect our brains and our digestive tract because we're talking about the gut-brain connection. So it literally change like chemical output. Let, let's say like we yeah. talk about dopamine and serotonin. So the light can actually affect dopamine and serotonin in the gut, changing your Ab- brain. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you see light through your retina, there's a direct connection to your suprachiasmatic nucleus in your brain, in your hypothalamus. So that direct connection means that as soon as you see light, it goes straight to that center in your brain. And that uh, sends signals through the rest of your body, including the gut, where it produces dopamine and serotonin with that input. Wow. So just the effects of light can check your digestion. And I still want to circle around, Doc, about like, I mean, hormonal effects, because Mm -hmm. I even want to talk more about um, the effects of good fasting. But when we talk about the rhythm, so when we're in the day, we start off, we get ready. You know, we want our, uh, I want my midday, like I want my morning iced coffee and I want my mushroom drink. So then we go into like, let's say um, the digestive period. And so we want to heal up the gut, the gut brain connection. So when we do sunlight, does that go into getting your stomach prepared to eat the right food? And I hope I'm not being vague. I don't want to sound. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So. When you see the sunlight in the morning, you get it to your suprachiasmatic nucleus. It sends it to the rest of the body. Your digestive system starts to get prepped. And that's why, you know, in Chinese medicine, in Indian Ayurvedic medicine, we always talk about your strongest digestion is like midday, right? Because in the morning, you get that input, the things start moving, um, you move your bowels, uh, in the ideal situation. And then your digestion is ready to take in food, to take in nutrients. And that's why, you know, it, like we say, it kind of follows a lot of the ancient practices where they say like, eat the biggest meals, you know, in the earlier part of the day because of this, um, circadian effect. Wow. So when we follow that rhythm of just getting up, not just, but getting your sunlight, getting a good meal in the middle of the day, and we talk about the, the brain connection. When you have a rhythm, that food will then turn into hormones. So we're saying if you don't get enough sunlight and if you aren't prepping your gut and you eat the wrong foods, then you're going to produce the wrong hormones basically too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest problem today is I think what we leave on the table is we, I mean, people don't even follow the nutrition and exercise recommendations, but nobody tells people, oh, you know, maybe... I know it's going to be hard for you to change your entire diet. I know it's going to be hard for you to start working out regularly, but what if you just, you know, got a few minutes of sunlight in the morning every day, or even throughout the day, if you got 20 minutes total, um, I think it's a 
ease your intervention that has immediate side effects that are that are positive and that people can build on. Oh, and Doc, interject at all. I, I don't want to get into story time, but I always find that like if I am walking in the sunlight, uh, it, literally for 45 minutes, setting a timer for me, and it may seem like a long time, but getting enough sunlight and walking into the sun that my body will almost create a natural high. Like yeah. I've literally had times where I've gotten back to my place and I'm like, wow, like that, I mean, that's better than any cocktail, honestly. Yeah. And so people are starting to see like blood flow increase in hormonal release. Even my moods change throughout the day. When we talk about how you, how you uh, affect mitochondria, are there any other small things like your personal things you like to do through the day? Like, let's say you like yeah. to bump up your hormones in the day. Is there any like supplements or something that you do with the sunlight, with yeah. your meal or a drink or anything that you like to do? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think one of the biggest things people don't understand is that you shouldn't um, eat and drink right after you roll out of bed. So if you're really following circadian rhythms and you really want to optimize your mitochondria, your hormonal function, your digestive function, mm -hmm. then what you should do is you should get out of bed, um, do a little bit of sunlight and stretching. If you imagine thousands of years ago, people would probably have to go forage for food in the morning um, also, because it's not like they just have refrigerators and pop tarts ready for them, right? Like, you, um, so, and then also your brain is still waking up in the morning and what it does, it clears out adenosine. Adenosine is the sleepiness. Um, so you might wake up, you might feel kind of groggy. And then over the next 30 minutes to an hour, you start to clear out that adenosine. So you start to feel more awake, mm -hmm. your cortisol increases. Um, your adrenaline increases. And what you have to remember is that if you drink coffee too early, right after you wake up, you're going to block um, that clearing of adenosine. So even though you're going to feel more awake while the coffee is working, um, as soon as that coffee wears off in the mid-morning, you're going to feel a huge hit of adenosine, which is going to make you extremely tired. And mm. so what the better strategy is, is wake up, let your body kind of clear out that adenosine. It's almost evident because you'll feel like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, a little more awake now and get your sunlight. And then is when you should have your coffee and or food, um, however you want to time that. So for me, I never eat in the first hour or drink in the first hour that I wake up. Um, and usually, like I said, I gave you my routine today, which is I got up, got dressed. I went outside for just a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. I prepped um, for the day. And then I came to this interview and I brought a coffee or tea. Usually for me, it's either a chai or um, a coffee. Uh, and basically that's uh, 60 to 90 minutes after I woke up. Let's mm. see, like when you say the adenosine, not being able to transfer, that's why people would actually think they need more coffee because mm -hmm. it could be where they can't get rid of their fatigue. So they think they need more coffee to yeah. actually wake up and they're actually doing the opposite effect. Exactly. And mm. what ends up happening is that habitual coffee drinkers tend to have a harder time clearing out that adenosine because basically what coffee does um, is block the adenosine receptors. Doesn't, and it's not really like making you more awake or giving you more energy through the mitochondria or hormones. 
it's literally just in your brain blocking some of these adenosine receptors. So their adenosine is there, but it can't bind to its receptor. Uh, and so okay. when the caffeine wears off, all that adenosine is that's there is going to bind onto those receptors and uh, you feel like dead. And then you want to have more caffeine. And then what ends up happening is the next morning, you do the same cycle where you roll out of bed and before your adenosine even clears out, you're drinking coffee. So you're compounding that effect. See, that's I'm writing that down, doc. I'm going to tell mm -hmm. my patients that. What's the importance then too? Maybe it isn't like after you wake up and such for people that get up and they say, well, I definitely just have my cup of coffee. It's on timer. I literally have yeah. it on my timer, timer right when I wake up um, about water. I'm just at, like, if you, is there a time like with your practice, you say you need to wait a bit or how much yeah. water doesn't you have lemon in it? Is there uh, yeah. things you like to do? So uh, this is, uh, there's a lot of um, ancient and Ayurvedic and then also um, naturopathic and uh, strategies. But, you know, when you look at water intake um, through the science lens, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to matter in terms of like, you want to have adequate water, you don't want to be dehydrated and your best chance of getting more water is earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. But then um, um, when you look at the science behind, oh, it doesn't matter if you put lemon in it, doesn't matter if you, if it's warm, like the way it's said in Ayurveda or whatever, the science has not bore out uh, in that way. So what I mean is when I try to think about my daily routine, mm -hmm. I make sure that I do the essential things that I know that are backed by science. And then if I feel like for me, um, I do follow Ayurveda, which says for me, my body type, I do better with warmer foods. Like I don't do as well with cold drinks or cold water and cold salads and stuff like that. And that really does work for me. But there's no real science that says, hey, you need to be eating um, warmer foods and say you should be drinking warmer water. But that's where the art of medicine comes. I often tell people who have my personality type, so vatas and okay. Ayurveda, there is a body type. Uh, there's three different body types. There's air, water, and, uh, and earth. Like So vata is air. And then you have, sorry, it's air, fire, and uh, ground. So vata is air. Kapha is ground and Pitta is fire. And so the people who have a Vata um, kind of baseline, more of a Vata, they tend to be um, a smaller bone. They tend to have a lighter, flightier thoughts. They tend to have more anxious thoughts. They tend to be very um, high energy and they tend to uh, float around in both their ideas and their movements. And so for vatas, it's really important to do things that are grounding, that are calming, and warm water is something that is very um, good for vatas. Um, so that being said, if you're a kapha, like a fiery personality, a fiery digestion, a fiery, that's a pitta, pittas are fiery, uh, not kaphas, pittas are fiery uh, personalities, they have fiery digestion, they often have acid reflux, their um, skin can be red and inflamed. So if you have a pitta baseline, then cooling foods are better for you. So those are kind of the art of it. But honestly, water is obviously an essential nutrient and um, drinking adequate amounts, which seems to end up being about eight ounces for at least eight hours of the day, if not more, if you're in hotter environments or doing more activity. That's a great point, Doc, because I love looking at body types because I do a lot of, you know, Chinese element body typing mm -hmm. 
but I have a friend who is really Pitta uh, and, mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing that he can't have like warm drinks because he has certain forms of eczema and psoriasis that have been flared up because of his yeah. digestion being so hot. So he naturally favors a cold, like a cold coffee or and that sort because it cools them down. And yeah. so I, I think it's very, um, it's hard when a patient comes in, they're like, well, can we all do the same thing? Like you say, drinking warm water or cold water. Yeah. And even in Ayurvedic, I think during the seasons, right? They'll say, no, yeah. one of my Ayurvedic friends, he goes, you're a bit pitta right now, but you're turning into vodka. So you have yeah. to adjust your, even your diet yes. Yes. during the seasons to keep yes. up with your organ. Uh, you know, people out there are probably listening. They're like, oh my word, how much stuff do I have to do? I'm like, no, just <laughs> that's how you listen to your body and knowing your body type yeah. um, and knowing these circadian rhythms. So I, I wrote down another question. So if a person is going through their day, they're taking these ideas and they're like, okay, I'm going to implement these. How much um, with, you know, preparing yourself with um, sunlight, how much did just that or with your daily rhythm uh, contribute to hormone buildup, hormone weight gain? Is that too much of a general question? I just, because yeah, people no, um, ask about weight gain. Circadian rhythms are so important in hormones and weight gain mm-hmm. that there was a study where they found that women that slept with a light on, um, an ambient light, like even just like a night light or a bathroom light had more weight gain than women who slept in complete dark darkness. And that just shows you how much hormones and weight gain um, have an effect on circadian rhythms. So doc, when we talk about that circadian rhythm, uh, especially with hormone buildup, I, I read in reports and I've seen it in the office at times, like in the middle of the night, if a person is like, you, uh, when we talk about light or light coming in and it's disrupting their natural liver cycles. Cause I've heard like when the liver is cycling mm-hmm. to help, you know, cleanse out the blood, rebuild yeah. that it can affect the liver in such a way that it doesn't allow your body to necessarily break down estrogens as properly as it should be. And yeah. then it affects the gallbladder cause the gall, you know, the, the liver dumps the bile into the gallbladder and the gallbladder has some estrogens in it to be expelled. Yeah. And so just that in itself, like if you even have light sources, they say like by small percentage, I was reading that your liver function can decrease yeah, and your estrogens could build up to where you can actually see weight gain. And I thought yeah. that was a really interesting thought about like, I had some individuals and friends who don't let any light come in. And I think it's awesome. Like what's the importance of like trying to make, you know, a room that has no light in it? Yeah. I, it's very important. If you can't control it, um, use a face mask. So the biggest hack um, I can tell you about this um, circadian rhythm thing is if you can't control the external light, like a lot of people live with other people, they live in a place where they can't block out all the light. They may live in a city where there's ambient light all night long, wear a face mask. It's a very an easy intervention that's going to improve your life because your quality of sleep, your quality of hormones and circadian rhythm input will be improved. And so uh, with that, I often uh, recommend earplugs as well, because, you know, the quality of your sleep um, is not just circadian rhythms and light input. It's also having a deep restorative sleep so that in the morning you are able to be your best. And so those are two interventions. And then when you wake up within the first hour of waking up, get some sunlight. And that's kind of a good one-two punch for really improving the hormones and um, your mood. 
if we can lead this into when it helps your hormones and yeah. you're talking about how you wait a bit before you, when you first get up, you start to put these practices into play with weight gain, hormonal balance with the circadian rhythm, with your, with your literature, your book, what do you suggest for individuals like they, the fasting MD? We talk about the brain gut connection. What's the importance of practicing some forms of fasting in your opinion? And how does that affect not only your mood and your hormones, but like the perspective of your day? So do you have suggestions or advice for people to start off saying, hey, to help your hormones and the circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. these are some of the steps that I would recommend? Digestion follows circadian rhythms. Gut bacteria follow circadian rhythms. So if you're trying to optimize your digestion, your hormones, your gut bacteria, so your gut-brain connection, which is your mood, your cravings, um, your satisfaction, you should eat in a way that optimizes this. And so what I recommend to most people is circadian fasting. So circadian rhythm style fasting. This mm -hmm. means that after dinner and about two, if not three hours before bed, you stop eating. And then you sleep overnight, you know, adequate eight hours of sleep. And then in the morning, you don't eat first thing, you know, within one hour. And then you start eating an hour or two later. And so you have a nice overnight fast. This can be as little as 12 hours. It can be 13 hours. It can be 14 hours. It can be 15 hours. It can be 16 hours. So there's a big range. And depending on your day, your goals, and what you're trying to do, I think what I think most people get wrong is that they eat late into the evening and then they don't eat all day trying to push their fast to 12, one, two, you know, and it's really the opposite. You should be eating an early dinner mm -hmm. and waking up and having breakfast. Oh, that's great because we know that if it's going to bounce the gut, it'll bounce your hormones naturally when you do right. this. Um, with the, um, the processing of eating in a nice timely manner with circadian rhythm uh, and avoiding those late night snacks or late night eating, is there any advice? Because some people are going to say, Doc, I try, but I get so hungry or something like, you know, towards the evening. Yeah. Um, is it just willpower, Doc? I mean, you just got to just power through it and just say, hey, I'm not no. going to eat. Or is there any, any tips you can give to anybody? Surprisingly, ghrelin, our hunger hormone, is cyclical. And you know this because everybody knows like there'll be a time of day where you're just starving, right? And if by chance you miss that window because you're so busy, you can't stop to eat or something happens, it kind of goes away. It dissipates. And then you'll get another rise. And that second rise might be even stronger than the first one, but you get like kind of a cycle, right? And so when you're trying to shift your eating schedule, you're going to face a little bit of pushback from your ghrelin cycles, which are used to eating at certain times of the day. So if you're always eating your biggest meal at 8 p.m., ghrelin is going to anticipate that, give you a big appetite at 8 p.m., right? But if you start to say, oh, no, I'm not going to eat, um, you know, 8, 9, 10 p.m., I'm going to start to move it up to 6 your ghrelin will take a few days to reset. And so it will be difficult in that first few days, but after a while, your ghrelin now will peak at six o'clock and you'll wow. be able to change your meal time. So it's, it's really about like paying attention to your body and knowing yeah. that that's what's occurring. And so it sort of gives you like a, an analytical viewpoint saying, hey, I know this is going to happen at this time. Um, yeah, I know. Like, for example, I know 
that I have a big ghrelin peak around one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and so even if I eat an early lunch or whatever, I'm always hungry at that time. And it's just because our ghrelin is cycling. And then you can make the decision, okay, am I going to eat something healthy during that time and just kind of calm the hunger? hunger? Am I going to just um, not, like a lot of us just don't pay attention to it. And then all of a sudden it shows up and you're like, oh crap, I'm going to have to eat a Snickers or like um, (laughs) something in the back room because I didn't know that this was coming. But when you really look back on it every day, it comes at the same time. That's exactly like some, at times I, um, I used to try to power through, um, my hunger pains and I always found that my activities, if I had high amounts of higher stress or did a high stress activity, cause I used to run a lot mm-hmm. and I used to find that, um, during, for my, my, uh, my running habits would make my hormones shift so much. Like I would have the weirdest food cravings. So mm-hmm. I had to like determine like even my work schedule, like how hard do I work during this time of day? Cause it's changing my hormones. And I think a lot yeah. of people out there, I'm like, you have to kind of analyze your daily habits to see like how you're shifting your hormones just from fight or flight or stress. Yeah. And, and how do you, how much do you find that? Like, you know, of course stress changes it, but with your uh, gut brain metabolism, like does stress have the huge effect, like their daily workload or their daily exercise routines? Yeah. I mean, um, I think that there's lots of books written on this, but I really do believe that you can do your most difficult cortisol producing task in the morning, in the day, like, because when you wake up, you have the highest reserve of willpower, the highest chance of creating a, a healthy habit and your adrenaline and your cortisol are peaking, right? So this is a good time for you to do a difficult task at work or um, a healthy meal in the morning. These are the times that um, do the hard work in the morning because your body has the best chance of tolerating that kind of stress. Okay. So like you get that morning, you can, you can analyze your hormone balance. You can analyze your stress saying, we're going to get the most done here. And towards the evening, you say, we're not going to eat. What's the best time? I mean, everybody's different, but what do you yeah. think is a great time for somebody to settle down? Like, yeah. Um, so, and that changes with the seasons and your mood too. Like generally speaking, if you're in a place that has a good amount of sunlight, like summertime, for example, you can really use the sun as a good marker. Um, you know, after sundown, try to really curb your eating or stop completely. If you're in a place like a lot of people message me and email me and they're like, I'm in a place where it's dark all the time, or it's like raining every day. And it's really hard to even know, you know, what's daytime, what's nighttime. In that case, um, kind of use an arbitrary marker, like, you know, start eating one hour after 60 to 90 minutes after you wake up. Um, and then you stop uh, two to three hours before bed, and that should be good because you're fasting while you're sleeping anyway. Wow, wow. Okay, so Doc, this is great. Now, what would you say to the individual, the lady out there that's saying, hey, I'm having menstrual cycles. Is there any difference between normal, you know, these habits? Should I change something up when I'm going through my menstrual cycle? Or is Yeah, it um, most people get it wrong. So, uh, mo- uh, so many experts on TikTok and Instagram are talking about women And they're telling women not to do things on their menstrual cycle, but it's the opposite. So when a woman gets her period day one and day two, they feel awful because they're just, um, you know, cramping and having bleeding. But really after day two, your hormones start to like pop back up there 
And that is actually the beginning of your most hormonal reserve time. So what I find on the internet is that people are like, oh, the week of your period, just rest and relax. What I would want to say to those people is on day one, two, and maybe even three, rest and relax and let your body recover. But then you're ready to go, meaning your energy levels are up, your sleep is better, your ability to do fasting, um, you know, exercise, all of that stuff really rises. And so that's the peak time all the way until ovulation day 14. That's your peak time to eat like an athlete, train like an athlete, to fast, to do the difficult, stressful activities or thoughts or um, actions for a woman. That's great. So now we've heard through this podcast about how you can actually approach your day because whatever happens in the micro will happen in the macro. And I think that people don't realize like literally repeating sunlight or repeating healthy sleep habits and even taking these steps with fasting can actually build up over time and create proper metabolic and hormonal function. And I think that's really great that you see it in your um, your Instagram feed and, and overall social media. Doc, this has been really good. I mean, I I really have great conversations with you because I'm yeah. writing down all the notes. So, is there? Let, let's do this. I I'm, I'm going to talk to the team. We got to have you come on again because this is yeah. like I think there's more and more we can talk about. Yeah. Um. What are the ways that people can get a hold of you? Because I know the individuals out there that have hormone imbalance want to know and talk about like where they can get your book, um, and let us know where. Oh okay. yeah. I there don't know if you can see it. It's like um. Oh, there you go. There we so go. My book is called I'm So Effing Hungry. It's available everywhere books are sold Amazon, Bars and Nobles, your local bookstore. It is a guide to helping you improve your gut brain connection so that you can be happier, more satisfied. You can go to my website, which is amymdwellness.com, or you can find me on Instagram, which is fastingmd. Oh, wow. Doc, again, thank you so much for giving us the privilege for coming on today. I hope you have a blessed day out in Scottsdale and uh, we all, Josh says, hello, Dr. Axe does and Courtney does too. We appreciate you taking the time and guys. I appreciate you, you. Thank you. I mean, this is so great. So anybody out there that wants to learn more about circadian rhythms, fasting, women's health, please give her a follow and uh, read her book. Thank you so much, doctor. Thanks. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.